Hey, I'll bet it y'all. You got the Lake Seminole Ramblings Fishing Report. I'm your host, local guide, Chris Taylor. I want to thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by Seminole Guide Service. With over 50 years of experience, they have the knowledge to get you bid. Check them out, SeminoleGuideService.com. We are now on Apple and Google Podcasts. Make sure to head over to your favorite provider, hit subscribe, give us a five-star rating. That would really help us out. Thanks so much, y'all. Now, enough ramblings. On to the show. All right, let me get a water condition report for y'all before we dive into the main part of the show. Uh, the lake has stayed pretty full this week, y'all. Levels fluctuating from 77.7 to 77.4. It's basically stayed full pool for the whole week. We had 1.36 inches of rain. Uh, that was at my house on the drain. And with the rainwater from the rest of the state coming in, the rivers have stayed muddy. Remember, almost all of the rainwater in Georgia empties into this lake via both the Flint and the Chattahoochee rivers. All right, the Flint was muddy with temps from 67 to 69. The creek was stained to clear with temps from 70 to 73. The drain was clear with temps from 71 to 74. The Chattahoochee, same as the Flint, was muddy, temps from 67 to 69. Quick recap for y'all. Last week, we brought on Ryan Higgins, local guide with Seminole Guide Service, to talk all about the biggins that were caught, uh, especially during the Westside Team Tournament. Uh, that's an awesome event that's put on by Westside Bait and Tackle in Bainbridge. Uh, the shad spawn started, shellcracker were bedding, gators were bellowing, all kind of stuff was happening. Uh, so today, we're going to bring him back on. We're going to talk about a few issues that were brought to our attention and we're going to talk about a local fundraiser that we would love to see uh, at least the local people get involved in. So uh, without further ado, let's bring on Ryan Higgins, our local guide from Seminole Guide Service. Ryan, thanks for being back with us, buddy. Yeah, man, no problem. How are you this evening, Chris? Oh, I can't complain. Won't do no good anyway. Don't nobody want to listen. Wouldn't do no good if you did. That's right. All right, so we've got uh, word on the street is the Three Rivers Bassmasters Barbecue Fundraiser. Now, this is for two middle school boys. This happens Saturday, May 14th. The plates are $10. It's a barbecue plate. So you get barbecue, sandwich, beans, and a cake. The pickup is at Grimsley's Pharmacy in Bainbridge. And uh, this is supporting the local anglers, Hayden Reynolds and Caleb Logue. Uh, Ryan, tell us about these boys. Man, there's some good kids. There's some hammers, too. Um, Hayden is... Um part of the infamous Reynolds clan around here, um, Brad, Lance, everybody locally knows that they're as good as it gets on the lake. Um, Hayden is Lance's boy and uh, his partner Caleb's just as good as he is. They, uh, they're always a force to be reckoned with in the, um, the Bass Nation events and the high school, um, the GHSA trail. Um, they're in middle school, but they, um, they hold their own in the big boy tournaments. Um, Hayden has, has cut some checks and the West Side Trail here, I know that he got a, um, they got a 30-pound sack on Seminole last year, uh, which that's, <laughs> that's nothing to, to blush at there. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a big sack right there. Yeah. Um, and like I said, they're, they're always in it. But they're good kids. Um, they qualified to go fish state. Um, the whole point of the fundraiser there, the barbecue uh, fundraiser is exactly that. Let's pay for them to go to state give them as much help as we can because uh that bass cat that lance has it drinks a lot of fuel and that dodge he's got dragging up there drink a lot of fuel and 
they're gonna be there for a couple of days pre-fishing and just want to make it as easy as everyone can on them get up there and not have to spend any more money out of pocket because i mean we all know with especially the gas prices right now this is it's already an expensive hobby but man it's silly right now yeah that's right yeah i, I carried a boy a couple months ago and uh, he made a comment about man that's expensive and I said, son, if you're going bass fish, you have to be prepared. This is one of the most expensive sports. It's like golf, maybe more expensive than golf. Um, it's just you got to pay, got to pay to play this kind of thing. So um, let's help those You'll boys out. You'll never get your money back. <laughs> no, and, and these boys are good, and uh, it's only $10. It's not that big a deal, and uh, it's some, I'm sure it's some really good food. So, yeah, head oh, on over to Grimsley. Go ahead. Yeah, I say it's gonna be gonna be good food, a good time. Um, it's ten dollars for per plate. Um, with that being said, if you feel like you want to do more, if you don't want to buy a barbecue plate, um, Lance has got a Venmo. Um, get him, get up with him on Lance Reynolds on his Facebook page, or get with me, and I can direct you to him. Or you can go by Westside Bait and Tackle and just leave money there with Mike and tell him this is for the boys, um, and he'll get it to Lance. They'll take it however you can get it. Like I said, don't feel like you're obligated just to buy a plate or you're obligated for only 10 bucks. You want to give whatever. They'll gladly take it. Like I said, it's for a good cause. And let's help get them to state and represent Bainbridge and, and see where these boys end up with it this summer. I, I believe the uh, the event is June 11th and 12th. Uh, they ought to be ought to be right in the thick of things when they get there. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, y'all can reach out to us on Facebook at Lake Seminole Ramblers Fishing Report. If you'd like to donate, we can help hook y'all up with that or reach out to me or Ryan on Facebook. So. All right, Ryan, I understand you've had some folks reaching out to you about some stuff going on with some Chattahoochee chain lakes. What's going on with that? Yeah, um, there's a little bass club going on or a little bass club event going on over there coming up and had a couple of buddies over there been doing some fishing and talking about a big fish kill there seeing a um, bunch of catfish some mudfish no bass which is kind of strange catfish are kind of hard to kill um but just so happens like the week before that corps of engineer um said they were going to be doing some invasive aquatic spraying on lake ufala which is north of this area we're at now granted it's pretty good ways north 40 50 miles north um from where the fish kill is going on and that stretch of river does have some discharge from the power plant and a paper mill over there, but fishing's always good over there. I'm not directly saying that the um, the spraying is what's ca causing the fish kill, but it is kind of coincidental. A week after they, they stated they were going to start it, started having some adverse effects there on the river. Um, it's no good, regardless of what's going on over there, it's no good. Right. The, the core, the core spraying is a fine line of things, anyways. Um, it's got to be done to some extent, but it's got to be done right and in moderation. Right. And I sometimes I feel like it's our job to educate everybody. Some people aren't knowledgeable about what happens with uh, grass and what happens with decaying vegetation and what happens when you apply herbicide. And um, yeah. The grass can be an annoyance to boaters sometimes. It, it clogs your intakes. It clogs your prop up. It's not pretty around your dock. But applying an herbicide to an ecosystem, and that's what this is. Everybody needs to remember a lake like this or like you follow is an ecosystem. It's not just a, a 
body of water that's got grass in it. There's multiple species that rely on this. This is their house. And we have to start looking at it like that. We wouldn't like it if somebody come in our house and sprayed a bunch of stuff on top of our house and killed everything that we have. We wouldn't be able to live there. We'd have to move. And so a lot of the residents of this area have been calling for the drip system movie to be put in. And I guess the Corps officially installed that last month. Um, Brian, what'd you see the last time they installed the drip system here? So I was pretty young the last time this was going on. It was in the early 2000s. Um, but we owned the sporting goods store here. My dad had the, at the time, the only sporting goods store, a, a story, sporting goods store in Bainbridge. Um, it was Bainbridge Sporting Goods, sold the bait and tackle and guns and ammo and minnows and all that. So we were on top of the lake news and everything about the lake. Um, not to mention we fished and hunted it three or four days a week then too. When they put the drip system in on the creek, then shortly after it started, started killing the wild celery, which directly affected the ducks. We had, at one point, Seminole had one of the largest wintering populations of canvasbacks east of the Mississippi River and south of Chesapeake Bay. Uh, and, and their main food source is that wild celery. But it was killing the hydrilla and the milfoil and the peppergrass, and it killed all of them. Um, and it made it pretty. But it decimated the fishing on the creek and the Sealy's area of the lake, killed all the grass, um, and the ducks left, and they still haven't come back. Even though we've got a big abundance of the hydrilla now, the celery never came back. And, I mean, there were guide services here at the time that that's the only reason they were in existence was these canvasbacks. That's the reason they wanted to come down was these canvasbacks that wintered here in massive, massive flocks. I remember Jack talking, and we all know Jack would get a little excited and add an extra zero on something once in a while, but 50,000 canvasbacks sitting in front of Jack Williams. <laughs> and uh, it's probably more like 5,000, but I didn't see them this year. I fished a lot this winter, and they weren't here. They still ha they haven't been here in a long time. Yeah. And I, I directly think, again, this is speculation on my part, but I, I'm on the water a lot. I've seen them a lot for I've been on that lake for 25 years now. Um, that drip system is not a good thing. It's it's going to cause a lot of headache on that end of the of the creek and the lake. And yeah, the hydrilla is annoying, but it's it the problem. The problem with the hydrilla is it's an Asian invasive species. It's just like kudzu. Um, it just takes over everything it touches. So you have to be very careful with how you handle it. We just have to accept that if there's hydrilla in a place, it's gonna be there. And if you take nuclear steps to eradicate it, you will hurt the entire body of water and you'll hurt everything that lives in the water. But what happens is you'll hear a lot of the scientists and a lot of these people that are selling these aquicides and these herbicides and all, and they're saying this is safe and won't kill fish. Well, that might be true. And the herbicide might be fish friendly, but what's not fish friendly is the decaying vegetation. And what happens when they finally kill that vegetation off is it falls to the bottom and it sucks every bit of dissolved oxygen out of that area. And that's what kills the fish. If the fish don't leave, obviously that's the end, but it can decimate an entire arm of a lake by pulling all of that grass at one time. 
and then pulling all of it to the bottom and then making your dissolved oxygen content non-existent. And if you go back and you watch a lot of the old Bassmasters, they used to have a dissolved oxygen content meter they would you know, dunk over the side of the boat. It was a big thing they looked at. It's not something that we talk about anymore, um, but that's what the fish rely on. That's why we have to use aerators in a live well and stuff. You have to have dissolved oxygen. You have an, an event that is pulling all the dissolved oxygen out of that particular ecosystem, you're gonna have a devastating fish kill. And it's gonna be across all species. It's gonna be across the shad and it's gonna, uh, what is it? Poop rolls downhill. That's what's gonna happen. It's gonna trickle from the shad all the way to the eagles, to the alligators, to the deer. Everything's gonna be affected when that ecosystem gets hurt. So the main thing is we need to focus on some of the areas that are like non-passable stuff like raised lake, and we just have to be um, have to be vocal and all come together and make sure it's done correctly because Captain Hindsight can't help us in this time period. Like, so if we nuke the lake, we can't be like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Let's try to fix it, you know, the other way. And the perfect example of that is what's happening in Florida with the Everglades. You know, the government interfered, went outside the state parks. They drained a bunch of the Everglades down to get the fertile uh, peat moss soil that they have and they found out within five years it decimated the area and now they're trying to reflood it so we don't need that kind of situation happening so just to kind of educate everybody that's what happens when you start spraying an area it can be devastating it can take years or decades to rebound so sometimes it's just best to to deal with what we have and think of a, another way maybe bite off little bits and pieces at a time instead of installing an entire system to nuclear uh, the grass in the whole area. I mean, it's just- Right, uh, I mean, spot spraying is is an option. Um, you, you can set up a spray rig on an airboat. There's a lot of that that goes on and do some spot spraying on some of this stuff. Um, and that'll, that'll help and that way you can, I run it down some of the, some of the creek channels that are getting a little tight. Run of the raised lakes, prime example. Raised lake needs some some help. It during the summer, shoot, man, you can't set the boat down in there. It's like Velcro. Yeah, I tried last uh, year. I took the old lady up there, and we set the boat down and uh, couldn't get back out. You know, thank God I had a hydraulic jack plate and could just trim the motor all that all the way out of there. I'm not saying the lake doesn't need some help, but I don't think. The drip system is the way to do it. it. It really, really knocked this lake on its tail. And I mean, to the extent where there was a bunch of locals that just, just kept going and knocking the drip system off um, because they were seeing what it was doing and yeah, they couldn't get any help. And they would, I mean, I'm not advocating breaking the law, but they were taking it in their own hands to try to save the, the lake. I mean, the lake's a huge source of income for a lot of people. Uh, ever since... Jack's place died. This side of the lake has been the lifeblood. We've got yep. uh, Big Jim's Spring Creek Park Resort. We've got Lake Seminole Outdoors. You've got Sunny's. Got a bunch of different places over there. Fins and Feathers, uh, Trails End. All yeah, of that relies, place. right? All of that relies on the creek to be in good health. So what what we really need to be advocating for is maintenance. It's just like a car. If you don't ever change your oil and you just run it 300,000 miles and don't do everything, you can't be upset when you have a giant bill because you have a bunch of problems. 
it's same thing with the lake. If you maintain the grass in the problem areas and you, you get on a schedule and you actually do what you're supposed to do, then you don't have to go to a nuclear option like dripping hydro, uh, herbicide into a body of water constantly. You know, so that's really what everybody needs to, to we need to hold some of the people that are in charge of the lake to a standard because we are held to a standard as far as our dock conditions and leaving stuff on and we have rules to follow and we just need to make sure that everybody's um, on a level playing field. And we're kind of seeing that trend just in today, just in everything in general. Uh, there's a lot of take and no give. So this is, this, this is the kind of place to where um, we just need to come together and make sure that it's being maintained and not uh, has to go to this nuclear option like the drip. And hopefully, um, hopefully everything will be okay with it. I haven't seen any adverse effects yet, but what's going on on the Chattahoochee side is a little concerning. And um, it could be from that paper mill, like you said. And if that's, if that's the case, then you know, we need to be advocating to make sure that that paper mill is not polluting our ecosystem because we do get drinking water from this. This is our drinking water source as well, y'all. Yeah, it, it comes right down that Chattahoochee. And like I said, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that probably doesn't help at all. Uh, that's been there for a long time. And I don't know, that's always been a healthy fishery up there. Um, it's just strange. Catfish are one of the hardest things there is to kill. So it's weird that they're getting killed, none of the bass. Right. And it's alarming that people are calling you saying, hey, can y'all talk about this? Because we're seeing a bunch of it. Uh, that one gentleman took what 13 pictures of catfish floating and yeah that's a that's the most resilient fish that there is in freshwater and uh for him to be killed that's pretty hardcore that means to me two things um it's probably not dissolved oxygen because they can live out of water for about six hours um he would have relocated out of that area it's most likely a chemical um, or a discharge of some sort and so that's very alarming, like we said. So uh, anybody that's listening that lives on the Chattahoochee Basin area, uh, Chattahoochee River, if you're seeing anything like this, please reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Uh, we'd love to see pictures or anything. Uh, we do like to kind of update uh, the Georgia Department of Natural Resources about what we're seeing. Um, so it's always good for them to get input from people that are on the water every single day um, versus just kind of checking it out every once in a while. So we try to give that feedback to them. So if you're seeing anything like a fish kill going on, um, let us know. We did hear that the DNR was out there investigating. Um, but like I said, hindsight doesn't help sometimes. So um, any help will be awesome. Anything you're seeing. All right, so uh, let's talk about bass fishing this week. Now we know, first of all, y'all, that we know the shellcracker is still going crazy. Uh, Ryan, did you have somebody tell you something about take your boy shellcracker fishing? Yeah, I went fishing yesterday morning, and old guy on the bank was telling me how good the shellcracker were biting, and I told him the bass weren't biting very well. He said, well, just take them boys over to that shellcracker bed uh, on the outside of Jack's that sand right there and, and help yourself. So I didn't have any crickets or worms. We did, not I kept being stubborn and bass fishing, and it was pretty slow yesterday, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be a lot better than it was. Uh, but you had a slow day, too, and a couple others – a couple others kind of struggled too. I know there was some big, big, big sacks of fish caught yesterday. I've seen some pictures, but over where I was, was, was pretty slow. 
Yeah, it's both been fishing the flint, and uh, the flint has not been real productive. You can still pick some fish off of there, but uh, I think a lot of it has to do with this. Uh, we had a cold front come in, and uh, this, this east wind, I just personally can't stand the east wind. It kills me. You know, some of y'all might be able to catch them in the east wind. Um, maybe it's just a mental game for me. But uh, what, what has it been, past four days we've had an east wind, 10 to 15? Pretty stiff, uh, yeah. It started blowing yesterday by about nine. It was blowing pretty hard out of the east. Right. And there's just nowhere to get away from it on the lake. I mean, other than ponds, but if you got any any hankering to fish the open water, creek or the flint, you can't get out of that east wind anywhere you go. Yeah, that's what I try to explain to everybody is east or west wind, it blows straight down yeah. that flint, and it's very hard to get out of. You know, you can sneak away to the east bank um, down there and get out of it, but sometimes if the weather's rough enough, just getting down to the east bank, um, yeah. it's like Poseidon not letting you get down there. So, um, but yeah, the bass fishing was slow this week, and, that, and that's the whole thing about this fishing report, y'all. This is a true fishing report. Uh, this isn't intended to be a, like a guide report where the fish bite phenomenally every single day. If you fish, you know, you know it's not, I mean, Ryan, you know, it's not called catching. Lake's on fishing. fire. Yeah, lake's on fire every day. Well, we know that's not no, the case. No. You know, uh, if you, no. Go ahead. If you fish Lake Seminole, uh, you know, A, it's one of the most challenging lakes in the entire country to fish. B, that fishing is not called catching for a reason. Like you're going to have days where you don't do very well. I mean, even the best guys on the lake have days they don't do well. So we want to be honest. We want to tell you what's going on. The bass fishing was slow this week. Yes, there was fish caught. You know, yes, you can always catch a five fish limit. But as far as like compared to last Saturday, uh, just night and day difference. Um, and it's just because of the weather conditions. And a lot of it has to do with barometric pressure. Um, so, you know, like one day, uh, a couple of days ago, the shad were, were all over my bait. And then yesterday, the shad, I only had them touch my bait one time. And it wasn't a bait issue. It was just the barometric pressure was too high. There was really no activity going on. No alligators bellowing. The day before, everything's different. They're going crazy. So it's just, it's just the way nature is. Um, so it's just, it's been slow this sure. week. We're, we're looking at next week with the, the moon change coming in. It's going to be fire again. This east wind should get out of here in a couple of days. The wind should finally start to lay down. Uh, in the next week or so, and uh, then we'll be crying about how hot it is next month and wish the wind would come back. It's a vicious cycle. Yep. Now, I did, um, my brother-in-law went shellcracker fishing today out on the main lake, and they found some fish. I think he ended up, him and his partner ended up with like 32. Now, they were, he sent me some pictures, Chris, and they were huge. Like, oh, yeah. All of three quarters of a pound. Gigantic. Um, he said the bed that they were on, he said, had a tremendous amount of fish on it. He said, but they were very, very, very hard to catch. Yep. Um, I, mean, I think it was just something, like I said, funky going on. He's pretty good at that. Um, he's, he can give those yeah. shellcracker a hard time. And he said, yeah, I'd sit there and just touch him in the nose with it and make him eat it pretty much. But they, yeah, were, I... they were big and they saw quite a few of them. He said the tilapia were up bedding too. Did, he did tell me that there were some wolf packs cruising the beds. Um, for those of you that don't know what I mean by that, said there were some, some schools of post-pond bass cruising the, the um, shellcracker beds eating. Um, he said he saw a couple good ones up, um, just harassing and stalking the outsides of those shellcracker beds. So 
that's the only thing. If you are going to go catch some shellcracker, keep your rod in the boat with like a popping frog on it or a big old worm. Throw that around those beds if you get bored from time to time. You're liable to catch the biggest fish of your life, bass-wise. Oh, yeah, they love eating that shellcracker. It's on the bed's most vulnerable time. It, it's the exact same thing with the shad spawn. Those fish are the most vulnerable in their entire lives when they're spawning, and the bass know that. So they creep up there, wait till they get kind of silly, and especially at nighttime, they just go to town, pick them off. Yep. I mean, they can clean an entire bed out sometimes, but, uh, yeah, that's how you can really catch. You can catch an 8-10 pound fish real quick by dancing a frog around uh, some of those shellcracker beds but it's good to slow, hear that slow, slow. right yeah and I, we're talking like two minutes before touching it like so slow you can't stand it it's very hard yeah. to do uh, but it's glad to hear yeah. glad to hear that uh fishing was tough with that that just ties back into the barrow anytime i see the barrow at, at 30.2 or higher i just know it's going to be tough it's just a high pressure ties back into the bluebird high skies we've all heard that our whole lives fish out of the east uh excuse me not fish uh wind out of the east fish bite least tie that in with uh, 30.2 or higher barometric pressure and it just makes for tough fishing that's just how it is so you can catch them like uh, ryan just said you just have to bump them in the face with it and that's just how it goes so um, yep. yeah shellcracker shell biting and uh you know i don't i haven't met many folks that jackfish but if y'all are into jackfishing um, our buddy, okay. Lieutenant Jack, man, let me tell y'all, this man can catch some jackfish and uh, all you need to do is, he really is. We need to start, a, anybody be interested in a jackfishing tournament, hit us up on Facebook, let us know, because we've got the ultimate competition for y'all. I don't know if anybody really targets these jackfish, but uh, we've been catching some damn giants. I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I've been catching some, what I call yesterday was probably as long as my arm hit about 20 inches yeah. and they're, they're just um i think they're bedding and i don't know really much about them so i don't mean to sound stupid but i think they're bedding in some of these areas where the bass used to be and they're just stupid they're it's awesome the fry or something i don't know there's something in the water i have caught more jackfish this month than i caught all last year and that tournament i was in last weekend i was talking to a guy had a pretty decent sack of fish. He said, well, man, I bet I caught 40 jackfish today. Um, so, yeah, we got, if, if if we can get enough enough interest up, like 10 boots up, I've got some money on a guy that I'll put against anybody on this lake. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Lieutenant Jack. So here's your shout Jack. out. Here's your shout out, Lieutenant Jack. The Jack man. That's what he is. We ain't caught he's, a fish all day separate. yesterday. We ain't caught a fish all day yesterday, and the last spot, jackfish. I said, man, you good? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, that's yep. him. Well, yeah, we appreciate you coming back on with us, Ryan. It's making the show uh, definitely more interesting than just kind of rattling off some fishing reports. Uh, this is kind of the uh, yes, this is kind of the direction we've wanted to take the show. Um, we've got some stuff coming in the works. I know we've been talking about a giveaway, um, just finalizing all the details. We have partnered with Lake Seminole Outdoors to bring y'all some gift cards for a giveaway. So we'll be uh, doing the details of that stuff next week. And um, we're going to do probably four giveaways with them over the, the coming year. So pretty Man, exciting. I'm excited over that. I might have to enter my kids on there. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get me some of that stuff. Lake Seminole Outdoors, 
They got everything a man needs. They got everything your wife needs too. Like I said. Well, it was such a godsend for this area because especially where I live, I live uh, 30 miles from Bainbridge and that was yep. the, near, the nearest tackle store. And the you know, majority of my stuff I order in, I have a deals with, I deals with a lot of people, but sometimes I just need something, emergency hooks or you run out of speed worms you need. Uh, when, when Miss Dawn opened that store, it was awesome. I didn't have to drive to Bainbridge. Like I love going to West Side, but that's a lot of fuel money, 60 mile round trip for me to go get some worms. Now I can just ride right down the street, go in there and get some worms and I can get some meat and I can get some bacon, uh, get little groceries, pick up a gift for the old lady, get some snacks, whatever. It's in there. And uh, one of those amazing steaks they have in there. That's right. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Uh, she did tell, she did correct me. So I want to let everybody know they're not doing uh, lunch on Sundays. They're just open on Sundays for your convenience. So I mistakenly told y'all, don't go in there and be fussing at her because I told y'all that she was doing lunch on Sunday. That's my fault. If you do, just say Captain Chris sent me and she'll know just to disregard it. Oh. All right. Well, uh, we will bring you on again next week. We will see what happens with the fishing. And um, we got we got the Tuesday nighters coming up this week. Uh, we're not going to talk about how bad we're not going to talk about how bad we did in that last week. Uh, and, well, that shows you how slow the lake was. So the winning bag, and those that don't know, the Tuesday night trail out of Big Jim's in the summer. I don't care who you are. That is some of the toughest anglers that you'll fish against. Yeah, it's the best guys on the lake. It's the best guys on the lake in the area. Some of the Toyota pros are on there. Um, it's the real deal. So it, it's a three fish limit, and it did take 14 pounds last week to win it. But second place was like 12. Third place was like 10. And some of you thinking, yeah, that's still a three to four pound average. That's pretty good. Not in the Tuesday nighters. Tuesday nighters are won with over 20 pounds on three fish several times last year. Yeah, it's 16 to 18 is the regular. Like, you better have three five-pounders if you think you're going to cut a check most weeks there. So that shows you how slow it was even Tuesday. To, I mean, there was there were 30 boats in it when we fished, and only about eight or nine of those even caught a limit from what I understand. Um, but they're every Tuesday night. They start at 6 o'clock. Registration starts about 5 o'clock. They're at Big Jim's in the parking lot with Brad Reynolds. Fish till right now we're fishing until 845. As the summer stretches on, we'll fish a little later. Um, and your best three fish, $60 in her. That covers a big fish pot, too. I mean, I don't, you can't ask for more than that if you like scratch competitive edge. That's where it's going to get. That's where you can get it. And it pays pretty well, too, if you screw around and catch a couple of them big ones. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's got to remember, uh, like Seminole puts out crazy bags. Like every every time somebody comes here for a Toyota or something, man, what do you think it's going to take to win? I said, you're going to see 30-pound bag. They're like, huh, really? I'm like, yeah, it's like Seminole. So three fish limit at night or evening into night transition in, in the spring to summer, yeah, you better have at least 15 pounds to eat or just put it on the trailer. And I'm going to say that you're going to hear me say that like every single uh, week. If you don't have 15 pounds, put it on the trailer. It's just how it is. Yep. We uh we put it on the trailer last week. 
No, we did not. We weighed these little Mickey Mouse fish that we had because we wanted we our were. points. And that's fine. We need our points, but we should have put it on the dang trailer. We should have <laughs> <laughs> waited for everybody to put to leave, put it on the trailer, and said we had motor trouble or something. Yeah, well, we caught a few, but it wasn't very good. But two more nights. We're up at it again. So I'll see you there. I know you're excited. Everyone come out and join us. Stop by LSO. Grab you a pack of them secret baits, whatever it is you need. I'm not going to say what ours is, but we got to find a new one. But All right. One last shout out before we get out of here, Ryan. Of course, we've all been over to Addie's, the new place, uh, formerly Jack Wingate's Lunker Lodge. Um, the owner's over there, Don. He is really needing some help, some good help, reliable help. So anybody that is looking for a job, I know there's plenty of people out there that would love to work with some great folks. Make sure to head over to Addie's or reach out to them on Facebook. Um, they have multiple op uh, job openings. They're looking for wait staff. They're looking for uh, housekeeping staff. They're looking for a chef. Um, so just hit them up and talk to them. The man's name is Don. Yep, that's a great place over there. Um, brings back a lot of memories going to that side of the lake. Um, we all know what Mr. Jack was here. Loves, I love seeing that it's getting a new face and it's getting back up and going. And I hope they can get things pointed back in the right direction with it because it'd be nice to have back around. That's all they're lacking is just some good help. And if they can get that button down, um, we will see it thrive again. So, Absolutely. I can't wait. All right. So until next week, Ryan, I appreciate you for coming on. And we'll see you out there on the lake. All right, y'all have a good one. Keep your lines tight and have fun. Be safe. You've been listening to the Lake Seminole Ramblings Fishing Report. I'm your host, local guide, Chris Taylor. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're now on Apple and Google Podcasts. So head on over there, give us a subscribe. How about a five-star rating? That'd be awesome. If you'd like to take a trip with one of us, head on over to SeminoleGuideService.com. Thank you all very much, and as always, we'll see you next week.